Hey guys, it's Justin again from Gomi Talks. You know what? That's my one of my favorite songs. I'm gonna, gonna just let let it play in the background there. Uh, it's Social Distortion. I was wrong. And this week I have uh, Grace on for another episode of Critical Thinking. This one is about false flag attacks, and we pretty much focus on 9/11 because there's a big history of false flag attacks. And I think this uh, song kind of kind of fits perfectly about the I was wrong 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 theme there there because with the critical thinking thing if you do the digging you can always find out out a little bit more but just want to say uh, big things are on the horizon for me lately just uh, a lot of a lot of cool things going on summers pretty much upon us kids will be out of school in about two weeks father's day is in a few days i just want to say happy father's day to all all the dads out there and past little while everything's been going good um just past uh 14 years marriage with to my lovely wife and we actually went out to a really nice dinner thanks thanks to uh the auntie for uh, that babysitting there and um yeah, just want to say say thanks again for listening. Thanks for Grace to coming on to this thing, and uh, here we go. Good morning, good evening, good night. Hey guys, this is Gilmy again, and I have Grace back. We are hey. going to be discussing about um, conspiracies, theories, and critical thinking again. Yes. This one, we're going to focus a little bit more on one or two things instead of just all everything in a roundabout way explaining what critical thinking and conspiracy theories are uh well welcome back yes thank um, you for having me yeah um, so yeah um last time when i was here i kind of talked about a bunch of different conspiracy theories uh just kind of d- touched on based on them just a little bit so now we kind of we're thinking about doing one or two main topics and explaining on them a little bit more uh once again, once again, guys, you know Luna. She, <laughs> she. So yes, we are going to be talking today. The main topic we'll be focusing on is false flag attacks, mainly 9-11. And then I'll bring in a couple other related or non-related false flag attacks um, in the past that are proven to be true. Again, I can provide links and resources, references towards everything proving that these are actual ones. So the actual uh, false flag attacks, um, especially the ones coming back from, say, even around World War II, 60s, 70s, 80s, a lot of that by now has been declassified by the government, proving that they were true. So what I will be talking about in the night for 9-11, there have been a few declassified documents that do prove this as well. Some of it, um, there's a lot of documents that have not been declassified yet that people really want them to declassify to kind of prove everything and who knows maybe in one five ten twenty years from now that will also be declassified just like the information from 20 or 30 or 40 years ago was just recently declassified so all right so for case you don't know what a false flag attack is because i've have actually had this conversation in the past week with a lot of people and some of them kind of know what it is some of them just have no idea at all um so basically false flag terrorism occurs when elements within a government stage a secret operation whereby government forces pretend to be a targeted enemy while attacking their own forces or people. So basically the attack is falsely blamed on the enemy in order to justify going to war against that enemy. It's designed to deceive in such a way that activities appear as though they're being carried out by other entities, groups, governments, countries, whatever, and other than the ones who are actually planned and executed them. So basically government attacks its own people and then blames it on others in order to in order to justify its goals. Um, there's actually a couple quotes that I got uh, off. I'm just going to read like a couple of them from past presidents, prime ministers, whatnot, um, Nazi leaders even. These are real quotes. So one of them, uh, this one's by Hermann Goering. Sorry, I can't say his last name, but he was one of the Nazi leaders. And he says this. Why, of course, the people don't want war. But after all, it is the leaders of the country who determine the policy. And it's always a simple matter to drag the people along, whether it's a democracy, fascist dictatorship, or parliament, or a communist dictatorship. Voice or no voice, the people can always be brought to the building of, to the bidding of the leaders. That's easy. All you have to do is tell them they're being attacked. 
and denounced the pacifists for lack of patriotism and exposing the country to danger. It works the same in any country. Also, Stalin, Joseph Stalin, said, the easiest way to gain control of population is to carry out acts of terror. The public will clamor for such laws if their personal security is threatened. And one more that I'm going to read is by Adolf Hitler. Terrorism is the best political weapon for nothing drives people harder than a fear of sudden death. And it's so true. If you think you're being attacked, you feel like your life is in danger, you will turn to the government and allow them to do whatever it takes for you to feel safe. So now I'll actually start going on to 9-11, now that you kind of have an understanding of what false flag attack is and the definition. So basically, as I'm sure most of you know, or I hope you know, because this is a big, definitely a big incident that has occurred, what, like, holy crap, it's already been, like, 16 years? Yeah, uh, going to be 16 years in September. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so basically, y'all know the attack occurred, killed thousands of people. Um, no one has really been brought to justice or even charged with the crime. Like, I know the whole, like, Osama bin Laden and then... Yeah, Saddam Hussein, Osama bin Laden. Yeah. Big names, but Hussein didn't actually have anything to do with it because he was the uh, Iraqi leader. Anyone who did have anything to do with it is currently in Guantanamo Bay or dead. Yep. So uh, the U.S. government continues, uh, doesn't continue to investigate the incident, nor admit responsibility, nor do they answer any outstanding questions, which there are so many and they blatantly ignore it all. Or, yeah, like ignore it all, completely change the question and talk to something about something else. So basically two planes flown into two of the World Trade Center towers, both of which collapsed completely just an hour or two later, as well as World Trade Center 7, which was a third World Trade Center, which was not hit by an airplane. I repeat, not hit by an airplane. Or debris, <laughs> Or a piece of a building. It was just kind of blown up. Or yeah. No real, you know. real, real reason. And there's if people, like, if see the videos, like, you should definitely, I'll, I'll even send you the videos, like, actual videos of the Trade Center coming down. Yeah. There, I'll get more into this as well in a second, but there's, like, so many videos, architects and engineers comparing videos to buildings that were, like, demolition buildings planned to collapse in like less than 10 seconds and this World Trade Center 7 collapsed like how a demolition building would collapse which has explosives and all that jazz in it. But anyways, so yeah, so there's considerable compelling evidence both forensic and from eyewitnesses that explosives were involved in all three tower collapses and additionally an FBI whistleblower, his name is Sabelle Edmonds, has revealed a U.S. intelligence alliance between Al-Qaeda starting in 1997 and ongoing to present time. So yes, I'll get more into that. There's lots of videos even on YouTube from people walking the streets that day and even by newscasts that have actually been forced to not uh, show those videos anymore. But anyways, yeah, there's lots of eyewitnesses and you can even hear on the videos of them saying that they hear explosives literally going off before uh, even some of the collapses and all that jazz. So basically, let's talk about World Trade Center 7 because to me, this is there, a lot of it is quite mind blowing. But this one is considering there's no airplane going through it, and it was what like a football field and a half away from the other two World Trade Centers where the airplane went in. Anyway, yeah, sorry, I feel like you're about to you want to say something. <laughs> no, <laughs> okay. you're, you're just going. <laughs> So, yeah. This so. is how, how, how our talks no, normally go. I say, <laughs> yeah. oh, really? <laughs> and especially with me anyways, if anyone knows me, it's usually hard to get me to shut up. So, <laughs> yeah, anyway, so. Good. <laughs> World Trade Center 7. It was a 47-story steel-framed fire-protected high-rise that, like I said, was a football field laying from World Trade Center North Tower. So, it was not hit by an airplane, as mentioned, yet it collapsed anyway, rapidly and evenly. The official story is that World Trade Center 7 collapsed due to normal office fires. Descended at free fall acceleration. It, yeah, so it collapsed like a demolition building, like I said. The overall building mass fell well almost perfect, like perfectly symmetrical through what should have been the path of greatest resistance. 40,000 tons of structural steel. And I'm getting a lot of this information um, 
I'm going to provide the links as well afterwards. I honestly just mind-blowing. Everyone needs to see these videos of all these architects and engineers that have been in this field with their degrees for literally like 20, 30 years. Um, so basically, this collapse, the way that it collapsed, it required a precisely timed pattern removal of critical columns, which Office Fires uh, is not capable of. Only a carefully engineered implosion could cause this 47-story building to collapse in on itself and land mostly within its own footprint, which it did. So the building has been built especially strong so that alternate floors could be removed in case a tenant needed an extra tall space anyways. Yet in less than seven seconds, all 47 stories collapsed to about four stories of debris. Yep. So yeah, so now going on the architects and engineers, there's an entire website, there's actually this whole organization since this incident had occurred um, of architects and engineers coming together, forming websites, writing books, getting people together to just basically talk about this discussion, forming all these questions and they want answers, yet till this day, like what, 15 or 16 years later, they're being ignored and pushed to the side. Yeah, and the current administration in the States is not helping any of this by cutting funding to basically any uh, any organization that has environmental or basically keeping the government accountable for their own actions and he's trying to cut all all, all those guys guys out out right right now mm-hmm. but anyways yeah. yes yeah there's definitely a lot more to this 9-11 story besides just the buildings which i will get to as well but um right now yeah there is actually this video clip where uh there were explosions in Building 7, heard by many witnesses throughout the day. One explosion is recorded in a video clip where several firefighters gathered around a payphone calling home to assure their families they are alright, and then suddenly they are startled by a very loud, unmistakable explosion. This is the one of Building 7 explosions that occurred long before it fell. And this is only one account. There, I came across, and I think I actually have it written down towards the end, but so many different accounts of firefighters themselves going in there and being able to just tell that something was wrong and different and they could hear explosions and it's just mind-blowing honestly but basically since 9-11 independent researchers around the world have assembled a large body of evidence that overwhelmingly refutes the notion that airplane impacts and fires caused the destruction of the Twin Towers and World Trade Center 7. Yeah because the biggest thing uh, the biggest reason they give it is the gas. The air, airplane fuel was um, burns at 1,500 Fahrenheit. Yeah, I actually do. I have a lot of that stuff, like, written yeah. down as well, because I couldn't remember, like, all the numbers yeah. and, like, exact facts 100% by yeah. memory. But, but it but... takes uh, pretty much double that to melt melt steel beams, which is the, the reason they give for the buildings actually cope collapsing yeah, yeah yeah so there was literally and i believe i have some quotes written on here as yeah. well of people literally saying that there was like a river of yeah like melted steel or whatever and that that's not feasibly possible but anyways so yeah so there was like rapid onset of destruction um numerous eyewitness accounts so basically, yeah, like we were just talking about, they refer to it as a flowing lake lava. It's the most compelling evidence for controlled demolition in the numerous reports of molten steel. These came from firemen and rescue personnel involved in the initial rescues immediately after the collapse, then many weeks after the collapse, where red-hot molten steel was noted. From extensive research into office building fires, we know that while steel can deform under office fire temperatures, it comes nowhere clear close to melting. If steel had melted due to fires at the high levels, we would again expect a tilting failure, not vertical collapse. That's why I, everybody, honestly, everyone needs to see the video. There's a very clear video of World Trade Center 7 collapsing, and if you just saw the way that it went down, I believe that's kind of evidence in itself, in all honesty. But yeah. It actually looks like one of those time, time dem- demolitions you see on the TV with mm-hmm. everything blowing out at the exact, exact certain... A very specific way to way to withhold. Yeah, and all of the material and evidence that they would typically typically in something like this, this is like a terrorist attack, right? That's what the U.S. government is saying, and typically you would go through cer- certain protocols and things that you have to do, such as 
they would have to like do more research and study more into even the material that was there. And apparently, I, I think I have it written down here or I have the resource at home. I will find it. But it says how right away they were taking like all everything in the zone that has collapsed and they took it out of the country. So instead of getting people and like scientists or engineers or whoever it is that would do all the studying to figure out what exactly happened. They took all the materials right away out of the country to, right, I forget where, but I will find out, <laughs> and just uh, completely got rid of it. Didn't even study it, literally, like, melted it so that it was, like, nothing anymore. So to kind of get rid of a lot of the evidence. But anyway, so there are witnesses of seeing steel flowing like this Leslie Robertson structural engineer for the World Trade Center and he says how he pulled out this big block of concrete and there was a little river of steel flowing through this and that there's a video on that I have that video and then another another video is someone saying that there's literally molten steel and then like the camera goes down and it, you can literally see like a river of steel flowing out. And there was also BBC, CNN, Fox, MSNBC reported this uh, the collapse of World Trade Center 7 before it even happened. Did you hear about that? Yep. Yeah, which is really um, weird. <laughs> yeah. Whoops. <laughs> but yeah, I have a lot, if people are like more interested in, are interested in a lot of this, I honestly have so much, so many links that I can provide for you guys. Yeah. And if you want any of those links, I'll... Just face, Facebook message me, Facebook message the Gilme Talks page, Justin M. Gilmet at gmail.com, and I'll get back back to you. Just put in the e headline Gilme Talks questions, and I'll, I'll get back to you as soon, soon as I can. Yes. So, cool. So now let's move on to the Twin Towers. So even though there's like a lot more information on the other stuff, and I'm looking at the time, we're already at 20 minutes, and I'm only on like page 3 out of 12 that I have. So we'll go to the Twin Towers. So apart from the fact that no steel-framed high-rise building has ever collapsed due to fire prior to or since September 11th, the manner in which the buildings came down in itself is definitely a cause for reinvestigation. Again, there's multiple videos, of course, of it. So... A collapse due to fire would likely proceed gradually with large deformations visible in the building's perimeter, with the building tipping over slowly towards the direction of the steadily weakening structural members to the path of least resistance. Yet, the Twin Towers both came down quite suddenly, without warning and without any jolts that would indicate the upper mass impacting the lower mass. So basically, the smooth rate of descent was measured at two-thirds of free fall. So in other words, the building was accelerating. It was traveling faster and faster, second by second, straight down through what should have been the pass of greatest resistance, the 80,000 tons of structural steel below that was at least five times stronger than necessary to resist the load. So yeah, so physicists and other experts agree that this could have happened only if the underlying supporting structures were removed ahead of the fail of the following upper building mass. So the National Institute of Standards and Technology, NIST, acknowledges that each building was destroyed in fewer than a dozen seconds and that they came down essentially in free fall. <laughs> Sorry, I felt like I had to yell that because it's not just going to like, so, basically, for the New York City fire fi firefighters on the scene, this rapid destruction without any notice was well beyond their prior experience. Uh, and basically, the sergeant, James Canham, Canham? I can't say his last name, but he was one of the first responders there, and he says, he said, this changed all the rules. This went from a structure to a wafer in seconds. In seconds. I couldn't believe the speed of that tower coming down. I heard the rumble. I looked up. Debris was already 50 feet from the ground. More than 100 first responders reported experiencing explosions and or flashes of light as the destruction commenced. Um, much of this evidence is captured on video by multiple cameras. Um, one of the cap or Captain Karen DeShore uh, was interviewed in New York Times on November 7th, 2001, describing the astonishing events like this. 
They said somewhere around the middle of the World Trade Center, there was this orange and red flash coming out. Initially, initially it was just one flash. Then the flash just kept popping all the way around the building and that building had started to explode. The popping sound with which each popping sound, it was initially an orange and then a red flash came out of the building and then it would just go all around the building on both sides as far as I could see. These popping sounds and the explosions were getting bigger, going both up and down and then all around the building. So there are many similar accounts in this astonishing series of oral recordings. However, there's definitely lots of documentation and evidence for the destruction of the World Trade Center. So there's a DVD, 9-11 Blueprint for Truth. That's what it's called. So sorry, it's called 9-11 Blueprint for Truth, the Architecture of Destruction. And it's available on ae911truth.org. And it, I suggest you watch it. There's lots of evidence from people who have their degrees and have worked within this field most of their lives and have a lot more knowledge and understanding on this topic than I do. Um, but yeah, there's a lot more uh, to 9-11 than just the airplanes and the how the buildings fell and all that jazz. So basically the whole Osama bin Laden's family, um, basically the government, Bush flew bin Laden's family out of the country within the first few days of 9-11, which is to me is kind of weird. But um, even though the skies over America were in lockdown mode, yet his entire family gets flown out. So a couple days after 9-11, no one's allowed to fly anywhere. However, bin Laden's family, who lives in America, gets flown out um makes honestly no sense to me it's like yeah our country just got attacked we think we know who it is but let's go help their family and get get them out safe like i i don't does that make sense to you or am i wrong what's your that doesn't make sense because bush and the bin ladens were yeah and that's another friendly thing for years forever years. wasn't he a part of like the cia or for even back in like the 80s and 90s he was like oh, yeah. he was within yeah like he it's crazy there's a lot more stuff and information that is not revealed at all to the public of course but about osama bin laden and his family and his past and his relations to the states and the bush family in general if you even look up the bush family and their family connections to billionaires around the world you would be shocked <laughs> like yep. if you just kind of connect all the dots and put everything together it just makes i don't know it's insane. because saudi arabia has a lot of money yeah yep so yeah so let's imagine a mass murder has been committed in a city here in canada and the suspect is at large where's the first place investigators investigators will go to search for clues as to either the whereabouts of the killer or their motives to the immediate family of the suspected killer so why did u.s authorities let the immediate family members leave america immediately so yeah that's one thing there's also so two of the alleged 19 hijacker hijackers lived in the same house with an FBI agent in San Diego, California. Also, according to Pentagon officials, five of the alleged hijackers were trained at secure U.S. military base in Florida. I actually did come across a lot more information on that. I just had so much information that I didn't expand too much on that topic. But honestly, if you look it up, there's credible resources out there showing that there, some of these alleged hijackers were being trained and that they do have connections and were literally staying in homes of FBI agents in America. And like I just said, they were trained at a secure U.S. military base in Florida. And so another point, I'm so kind of just doing points now. Yeah, you go ahead. Sorry. Just let that sink in, in for a second. These guys who attack a U.S. citizens are trained by FBI agents on a suicide mission and their relatives of the people who are, have committed this are ushered out of the country to be kept safe that makes no sense so yeah and also there's a lot more i don't know if i was gonna if i added this into part of what i was gonna talk about but i just remember things here and there but i remember well, I'll actually it might be in the video that i provided to you guys for one of the links but basically people who have been trained as pilots for different air types of airplanes or whatever their entire lives have commented on the fact that <laughs> there's no way that these people could have flown these airplanes perfectly hit right into the tower couple and times in a row as well like maybe one chance luck but not more than once and it and wasn't four. um wasn't like oh they're they winged the tower. Or, I know. No, they plowed these planes directly in it, so the a the plane wouldn't hit the ground at at all. Yeah. That 
just the way it was hit, these planes were exactly small enough that they would fit inside the building. Because if, if it was one size up, a 707 would have clipped the exterior walls and probably toppled the building in a much different, different, uh, different way. Mm -hmm. because the wings would have actually hit the exterior if it hit exactly the way it did. Exactly. It was completely set up for these planes to land smack dab in the middle of of, of the air towers, and it's anyone who watches the, watches the video now will realize that. Yeah, for sure. No, exactly. Yeah. And even in, I ended up actually getting in the Pentagon in like a minute, but I'm going to quickly say how, if you see the pictures of the big hole or whatever in the Pentagon, there's no air, there's no wing. Like, like, you know what I mean? There's it was no... so, and then if you see the video itself anyways, like that's not like, I don't know. It's, that's not I can't a plane. even finish my sentence. It's like, a missile. It's just mine. It's just mine. They hit it with a missile and it's not, you could see the video, it's not an airplane, but. Yeah. So, yeah, so basically, fire has never, prior to or after 9 11, caused any steel frame building to collapse. And the sudden vertical explosive and total collapse of the Twin Towers, of the Twin Towers at near free fall speed, can only be explained by controlled demolition. Also, what I was talking about a couple minutes ago about the steel, uh, the World Trade Center steel, which is fully examined, could have revealed the effects of explosives. So that was my point. So I have it written down here. I just couldn't remember exactly, but that's why. They could have studied it to see what actually caused it, maybe, to... I don't know, they could, like, study and then see what exactly was the cause behind it. And it could have, just by studying the steel, they could have revealed whether explosives were involved or not. However, it was quickly shipped overseas and it was melted down. This was, and, and this is a violation of federal crime scene laws as well. So, yep. yeah. Um, another point is, whenever contact is lost with any airplane, fighter jets routinely take to the air to investigate. This commonly occurs about 100 times per year and well under 20 minutes, but on 9-11, nearly two hours pass without any interceptions at all. And there's also, at that moment, like during 9-11 as well, when the attacks were occurring, um, there was actually, coincidentally or not, there was military training. Uh, honestly, I think I have more information written down here afterwards, so I'll get the facts better anyways, but it's basically, long story short, the military was coincidentally training for an attack just like this so then when it was going on they actually thought that was part of the their training at that moment so they didn't actually get to it right away at all oh prior to 9-11 insiders such as john ashcroft who's a top military officer said that san francisco mayor willie brown they were warned not to fly and that's only one account there was actually a video and it was taken off the air they never showed it again i believe it's still on youtube of a news broadcast interviewing somebody saying how he himself that day got a phone call telling him not to get on an airplane why <laughs> but anyways so the bush administration uh resisted the formation of the 9-11 commission for 441 days which would have similar investigations to those for Pearl Harbor, which, and the investigation started in one week. So why were they, why was this, like, 441, that's like a year and a half. Yep. So. Because he didn't want it shown that they knew something was going, going to happen. Because apparently the CIA actually knew something was going to happen. The FBI apparently knew stuff was going to happen. Something was going to happen. Yeah, something was definitely, yeah, it was known. And also the fact that, uh, what's his name? Larry Silverstein. Very, very rich billionaire. He, just months before 9-11, the World Trade Center's lease was privatized and sold to Larry Silverstein. Silverstein, he took out an insurance plan that covered terrorism. Just a couple months before 9-11. And after 9-11, he took the insurance company to court, claiming he should be paid double because there were two attacks. And so he won, and he was awarded $4.5 billion. Because, yeah, I mean, like, two buildings, whatever. Like, if that was me, I would want the money for it as well. However, it's just weird, just coincidence, right? A couple months before the attacks is when he adds terrorism to it. But going to the Pentagon now, 
I'm going to touch base on the Pentagon for a little bit. So basically a plane. <laughs> Quotation marks. Yes. Hit the Pentagon. Because anyone who saw the debris pictures or anything, it looks like a missile strike. It There's no plane debris. There's no wings. There's no cockpit. There's no black box. You'd be box. able to see any of there's... that if they would just show the cameras. Because it is. It's one of the most guarded build- buildings in the United yeah. States. And there's not a single camera of a big, huge airplane. Which yeah. could, would have got caught in like at least three quarters of their cameras. And not one of them caught. Like, I don't know. It's just mind-boggling. Yeah. But, so yeah. So no footage of the actual plane exists in the wreckage. Plane parts, luggage, and bodies were never found. Did it just yeah. crash and disappear? Like, I don't know. Just like that other flight. It didn't, flight, oh, I want to say like flight 60 something or flight seven. I forget. And honestly, I forget, but yeah. it was, no, it didn't even hit crashed. a building. It just crashed into a field. Yeah. But, yeah. but didn't they go there and there was like nothing really even there? Yeah. I, no, honestly, I need to get more information on that one. But I was more focused on like the Twin Towers, yeah. the World Trade Center 7 and the Pentagon. That was the one they made a movie about where apparently, they did. I didn't the, see it. apparently the guys... The people on on the plane stood up to the terrorists and. I'm trying to watch this movie. Well, it's not like yep. that's. All, I, it's not like it's true or anything. They right. just made a movie out of yep. it, but still, it's still interesting. But so yep. yeah. Even the flight logs for the planes who were supposed to be on it have not all been released. So, like, what happened then? This airplane that hit the Pentagon. What happened to it? Like, what happened to all the people that were on it and everything? And even that flight that crashed into the field? Because wasn't there nothing even found when they got there? Uh, there was something found, but... Like, nothing really, like... Yeah, nothing was... really re- relative. Because anyone who's seen a plane crash on the news or something, you can tell it's still... Still, it was An a... An airplane. Was or... a airplane. Yeah, exactly. And also boggles my mind because the black box... Mm-hmm. I think that's what it's called. Yeah, they, the black box is the recording yeah. device that records everything said by the pilot and the co-pilot, and everything said in that the, you can hear. Yeah, anything that it catches the, the cockpit. Yeah, none, and none they, of that's been released. Either. Yeah, they won't reveal any of that. However, a couple of years ago, when that one airplane crashed, oh, was it just outside of Germany or something? I, honestly, I totally forget. There was an airplane crash like two years ago, and they revealed the black box like for five days later (laughs) however when it comes to 9-11 they can't reveal like i don't know just there's just makes me mad in all honesty just thinking about and talking about this stuff but okay so why did the fbi confiscate approximately 85 cctv recordings of the event and not release it so anyways on september 10th 2001 the donald rumsford declared over 2.3 trillion dollars missing from the pentagon operating budget on September 11th, the offices in the Pentagon, where these records are kept, are the same offices an airplane allegedly flew into and was destroyed. So basically, the Pentagon, the the room, the exact room of the Pentagon that got destroyed was the same room where there was a bunch of information that they didn't really want revealed. And it was also proving how much, I guess, money. How irresponsible there is. The Pentagon spending habits can actually be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And because, it just coincidentally, that's the exact room. Because <laughs> if they would give uh, NASA a tenth of their, no, even I'd say one percent of their their budget, we'd already have beyond their Mars. <gasps> oh, and also this one, because remember how you were you were I couldn't remember the exact like degree or whatever Fahrenheit, if that's a proper yeah. word of the melting steel or whatnot but it yeah. does say here it said it did say how uh they defeated the laws of chemistry by melting steel uh which is at 2750 with aviation fuel which is at 1517 so how can that melt how can jet jet can melt steel beams apparently but their passport survived did you know about that i actually like i completely forgot about that how yeah. passports were found but how or, but it's just, like, all these recent attacks, recent, like, not recently, but in the past, like, 10 years, even in the States and stuff like that, how that one shooting that happened in the club, mm-hmm. but their passports were left there. Like, how, why coincidentally in all these attacks are there, like, random passports found, first of all? Like, I don't think they're going to keep their passports on them. I feel like that's just, like, an easy way for the government or for whoever, whatever is going on to kind of 
put this blame on somebody else. And so instead of going through this entire investigation, they can just kind of show the public, like, oh, we found a password. This must be who it is. And then the public's satisfied because they think that they caught this person. But in reality, there's something else going behind the scenes. And that's probably not really them. <sighs> yep. Okay. But, um. Because everybody carries their passport around. I know. All the time. I know. And also the fact that there's so many people that work in these twin tower buildings and there's coincidentally so many people just didn't show up to work that day like not so many people but some people yeah like larry silverstein he was there all the time and he skipped work that day and so did his kids by the way so this larry guy and his family are a very bunch of lucky people <laughs> they well, skipped like death they that actually day shut down a lot of the a lot of the uh, mass transit in New York apparently shut down 15 to 20 minutes before anything happened, and I have I have no 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 links for that. Just something I I remember reading. And mm-hmm. just, just like just like a lot of the people they say were hijackers and that were on the airplanes. Um, at least five of these hijackers turned up and they're alive and they're well and, uh, they live in the Middle East and they were interviewed by BBC, like the, one of the news channels or whatever, but it's just, so they apparently jumped or crashed an airplane and survived somehow. I don't know. There's a lot of information on a lot of the actual 19 hijackers, alleged 19 hijackers that people go and do the information. Again, I could provide these links for you if you want me to. And they're very uh, reliable resources for as well because, I like I mentioned in the last video that we were making, I'm, I believe it or not, I don't believe things very easily. I need proof. I need to see it for myself or get some sort of reliable information from a credible source and I can provide that for all of you guys so yeah I want you to do your own thinking as well but kind of like take this all in and don't just like shut it away just think about it do your own research but anyways so there was a lot of witnesses and victims of course this is New York where it occurred and basically so this one guy Kenneth Joe Hanneman, who was a janitor at the World Trade Center, and he reported seeing and hearing explosions in the basement and upper floors of the towers. He rescued someone who was full body burns from an explosion at the base. So he literally rescued someone with full body burns at the base and not the top of the tower. And then Kenneth died from a gunshot wound to the head in an apparent suicide in 2008. This actually has happened a lot. There's actually... I only listed a couple people, but there are a couple people who did have a lot more proof and evidence, way more than I would even know, that they were starting to write books and literally call the government out and do all this stuff uh, to prove all of this. And somehow, magically, these most of these people have committed suicide. I, I yep. like this. Yeah, the, the CIA is pretty good at uh yeah setting 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 people up and same as the the fbi at discrediting people and oh they died by suicide which must have mean that they had a mental illness which means anything they previously said before is discredited and yeah <sighs> just like like philip marshall he was he was a former airplane pilot and author whose works included the 2003 novel Lakefront Airport and False Flag 9-11, How Bush, Shenny, and the Saudis Created the Post-9-11 World. And he wrote a couple other books on the war on terror in relation to 9-11. And uh, so one of these books he published in 2012 where he felt Marshall theorized it was an al-Qaeda but rather U.S. and Saudi government officials who orchestrated 9-11. And he was found dead along with his two kids in their home in California in 2013. And according to reports, they all died of gunshot wounds. Uh, Apparently, uh, he killed his kids and then he shot himself. So, yeah, but um, was it? There's a security agency officer, Wayne Madsen. He says that the 9-11 investigative author, yeah, like I just said, killed says that he killed his kids and himself, but he says, this guy, Wayne Madsen, says it's a black ops hit by the CIA. So if you want to look up who this person is, again, his name's Wayne Madsen, and he is a security agency officer, and he himself is saying that they were killed by a black ops hit by the CIA, which dismisses the suicide hypothesis because they said that Marshall killed his kids and then shot himself. Anyways, well, yeah, and then there's this other person, Beverly Eckert. 
Um, Beverly Eckert, she lost her husband on 9-11, and she did not believe the official story. She was among the families organizing for disclosure around the facts of 9-11. She wanted more information on it. And this included a lawsuit against the Saudi and U.S. government. So she and whoever she was doing this with, of course, had enough information to have a lawsuit against them. Um, she was offered money for her silence, but she refused, and then she died in a commuter plane crash in 2009. So all these people are just mysteriously dying. Um, oh, on 9-11, Barry Jennings said he and Michael Hess had been blown back by explosions in World Trade Center 7. He also reported stepping over bodies, contradicting the government claim that no one died in World Trade Center 7. And then Barry died mysteriously on August 19th, 2008, two days before the release uh, of the how reports. Did, how did nobody die in an, in an office office building during collapse? I know. I I don't know, but they... Was it just completely evacuated? I feel like did, all these did nobody different... nobody show up? Because, I don't know, there's always some somebody in... in in a in a building. Yeah. Well, no, no, that's what I, I think. What it's saying is that it. Oh yeah, that's true. No, you're right. Sorry, that was me. You you are so right. Yeah, because they were saying that nobody died. However, this person is claiming that he was stepping over bodies and they were. Yeah, so that makes no sense. How would yeah. nobody die anyways? The entire building collapsed like a demolition. It was a yeah. f- what forty seven story building and there was not a single person in there during its collapse. Yep. That makes no sense. Even the janitor that shows up at like six. <laughs> there's always somebody on like a cleaning crew or something no for real yeah but it's just and and there's never been in the past ever in history of a building collapsing due to a fire office fire that makes no sense yeah it's just there's self-suppression systems and there's, there's people there's videos yeah. as well of people who were part of the design and planning of these buildings, saying that it's not feasibly possible for any of that to have occurred. And, but, like I said, yeah. there's actual, like, videos of people talking about this and providing facts and information, so. Yeah, it is crazy. Yep. There was an interview with over 150 witnesses who are both inside in the building or outside who gave statements, saying that they heard multiple explosions and other things that were never put on the news. In September 2000, there was a report of the project for the new American century. Oh yeah, so it was a re- so this what so this report was to for the rebuild for rebuilding sorry America's defenses report. So basically it included members such as Dick Cheney, Donald Rumsfeld, Paul Wolferwitz, Jeb Bush, <laughs> and it calls for massive overall of U.S. military and it encourages fighting and winning multiple. Wars. So this is literally like a report that they created in September 2000, one year before 9-11, kind of how they're going to meet their agenda and what they should do. And basically it's calling for and encouraging fighting and winning multiple wars. And it says that the process of information, even if it brings revolutionary change, is likely to be a long one, absent uh, catastrophic and catalyzing events like a new Pearl Harbor. 17 of the project's participants participants would later take positions in the white house administration so i think that's just a little sketchy <laughs> but, <laughs> oh yeah and in december 13th 2001 the department of defense releases videos of osama bin Laden discussing the attacks but not taking the responsibility and the t- translation is problematic he's speaking one ing- language so if you kind of like see what he's saying and like the translation of it all that's another video that I could provide. Oh, yeah. So there was, there were Pentagon planners on April 2001. So, like, what, like half a year maybe before September 11th. So there was an email. Um, Air Force officials wanted a war game having terrorist groups hijack commercial airplane and fly into the Pentagon. But the plan was rejected by Pentagon officials as too unrealistic. However, it kind of seems like they went through with the plan because this plan sounds exactly like what they kind of did. Oh, Because for a plane to a, get to the Pentagon, in, the, in New York City it's a, def, uh, a different thing. There's flights coming and going. It is a flight hub. There's built tall buildings everywhere. I'm going to say that could happen. Someone could hit a hit a building with a with a uh, a plane. Mm-hmm. Pentagon is a no military no fly zone, and if there was anyone near that building, they would have been shot down way before they got even even 
even uh, even close mm -hmm. because the okay. U.S. Exactly. can launch an an air attack and meet meet anyone in about eight minutes anywhere in the one hundred percent. That's what I mean. States. A lot of this could have been uh, from the moment that they would have seen the first airplane, like. Yeah. something could have been done about it a lot quicker. It was just like the video where Bush was inside the classroom at the time and you could see his, the security or whatever going up to him and whispering in his ear and telling him what happened. Yeah, he still stays there and doesn't do anything. Like at first I kind of thought maybe he just doesn't want to cause like a panic and have everyone be like, oh, like what are you getting up to do? But at the same time, he could say that there's just something going on, but he's still, he's a president. Like, he's supposed to be protecting all the citizens at that moment. So the longer he sits inside the his, classroom, his the name. more chaos could be occurring. And he's not doing anything yep. about it. And he's the number one person that can do and has the power to do something about it. Yeah, his main thing was he didn't want to scare the kids at that exact moment in time. And I'm like, those kids are going to know what's going on very Soon quickly. anyways, yeah. yeah. And, and just say not, something came up, like you need to go do. Yeah. Like I don't freaking know. They're gonna Make find out in like up. five minutes, sorry, man. Sorry, guys. Something, <laughs> it's gonna be on the news. Something came up. I gotta go. I know. So not, I'm gonna finish reading this book and then deal with a national tragedy. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. Oh, that was Flight 77. That's it. It was bugging me. Flight 77 was the one that crashed into the Pentagon. And that, and that they denied that there were any cameras that captured the crash. <laughs> like we just said, there's so many. And it's like, oh my God, the most cameras. It's the most watched building yeah. in North America. On October 2004, Scott Bingham files Freedom of Information Act and has a video released to the Pentagon employees where a hotel and gas station get images of, like, so basically, like, they got a video where a hotel and gas station have the images or a video of something hitting the Pentagon, but there's no clear image, and you can see that it's not an airplane as well. There was also a statement by General Wesley Clark, which was said that they're going to, it literally says, we are going to take out seven countries in five years, starting with Iran and then Syria, Lebanon, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, and finishing off Iran. Most Americans believe that their government is not capable of attacking its own citizens. However, this has occurred many times in the past, which I will talk about in another uh, podcast. But why is this evidence so difficult for so many people to accept? So 9-11 truth challenges some of our most fundamental beliefs about our government and about our country. When beliefs are challenged or when two beliefs are, are inconsistent, cognitive dissonance is created. 9-11 truth challenges our beliefs that our country protects and keeps us safe and that our government is here for you. When this happens, fear and anxiety is created. In response, our psychological defense kicks in to protect us from these emotions. Denial, which is probably the most primitive psychological defense, is the one most likely to kick in when our beliefs are challenged. To begin to accept the possibility that other groups are involved in 9-11 is scary and people don't want to believe it because it goes against everything you've been socially constructed to know. It's going to challenge some of your fundamental beliefs about the world. It doesn't usually work to challenge people's beliefs or merely tell them what to believe. A good way is to ask open-ended questions and different facts in relation to what occurred and how many of these questions cannot be explained and have been ignored. So that's kind of what I'm trying to do. I'm not like trying to like challenge everyone's thinking or make them mad or whatnot but it's kind of like when there's a lot of overwhelmingly like so much evidence out there it's it's nice to kind of like just even discuss it whether you believe it or not and just ask open-ended questions to kind of get a discussion going on instead of just accepting everything that you're told without doing going out and seeking this information yourself because you don't want to just take in everything that the news your government always says because it's known that the news doesn't always tell you the truth right and I, at least I hope you know that but the 9-11 commission left collapse of World Trade Center 7 out of its reports so the declassified there are 28 declassified pages of the 9-11 report proved and it, this proved that the Bush administration helped cover up the Saudi government's role in the 9-11 attacks and I could get that link for the 28 declassified pages of inf inf information. However, there's way more than 28 pages. But they would only release these 28 pages, which kind of screwed them anyways. Maybe they just figured they needed to release something because everyone, yeah. they're realizing, like, everyone's waking up. They're not stupid. But so, yeah, the last thing I was going to talk about kind of in relation to this before I get to the other false flag attack. I think there's some other stuff I have at the end. 
for 9-11, but basically, yeah, like, the black, basically, okay, I'm going to ask all these questions. I don't exactly have answers to them, but just kind of get you thinking. So, what happened to the black boxes? Why did the Bush administration, why didn't they start, like, a real investigation? Where is the wreckage from Flight 93, which is the flight that crashed in the middle of the field? Why did the NTSB not do a proper investigation? Where is the video of a plane hitting the Pentagon? Why did World Trade Center collapse, seven collapse? Why did firemen report molten steel at ground zero? Why did so many firemen report secondary explosions? Why were military and political people warned not to fly? And who scheduled the hijacking war games on 9-11? So... And actually, I'm just going to wrap up on 9-8 or 11 stuff right now. And I'm just going to say thank you very very much for uh, coming coming by, by again, Mia Gracie. Yes, no problem. Yeah. She um, she knows a lot of stuff, guys, and I'll definitely have have her back in a, a little bit on there on some some of the stuff. And we'll let let the let the doggy out now, so she's not 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 run running around chasing chasing <laughs> the uh, a kitty again. All right. Thanks for for listening, guys. Bye. Hey guys, this is Gilmy again, and that was Grace again with another. Another podcast on critical thinking and false flags and 9-11. I think it was with it was a great great talk talk with Grace and just it's all always fun fun talking about critical thinking with uh, with her. Just want to say thank you very much for listening and if anybody has any need to get a hold of me, Justin M. Gilmet at gmail.com. Check out the Gilme Talks Facebook page or just Email me. Some of you, you got my or my phone number. Let's get the conversation started. And this week's ending song is the French Fresh Prince of Bel Air theme song metal cover by Leo Morikali. I really like this one. Hope you enjoy it, guys.